Hi, welcome to the Penis Project podcast. This is the place to come to find out everything you've always wanted to know about men's health but were too embarrassed to ask. Join physiotherapist Dr. Joe Milios and sexologist nurse practitioner Melissa Hadley Barrett as they talk to real men and the experts about men's private parts. Have a burning question you really want to know the answer to? Please subscribe to our website at thepenisproject.org and ask us. The more time I've got for you. There's too much talking, texting, tweeting, posting. Too much noise altogether. In silence, there's strength and peace and space. Imagine silence forever. The Penis Project podcast is proudly supported and sponsored by Prost, Exercise for Prostate Cancer Incorporated, a not-for-profit charity set up in 2012 by myself, Dr. Joe Miller. If you want to know any more information about Prost, including our online service now available, please just go to prost.com.au. Prost means cheers to your health, so Prost to you. So stop for a second and listen. It's not silent at all. Hello, Samantha. We're here today to talk to you about you were married to a lovely man and the father of your children for 26 years before he came out or you discovered that he was actually same-sex attracted and he was gay man. So we want to talk to you about that because we think that that is an area that is probably very difficult for men and women alike. And so thank you so much for talking to us about that today. No, it's a it's a, a topic that I've chewed over many times. Um, I suppose I need to go back on that and just say that when I married him, I suspected because yes. there was a an air letter that I read from his oldest friend in the UK, who was a gay man at that point. My husband to be at that point was twenty eight, and I was twenty three and a bit. So very young, and it was, you know, a long time ago. It was 74, and it was a different era. Yes. And I also um, think I need to make a note that underneath our relationship, we were kind of underpinned by both following a meditative practice. And that was very strong and powerful, and so... I, I, I'm, I, I suppose I feel in some ways that, that deserves an explanation because I probably wasn't just, it wasn't just a normal kind of fall into this roll over and find, whoa, something's not happening. Um, so uh, I went in a, young, uh, but a little bit naive um, about what this meant. And I, and I figure that even in the last decade, at least if there was any inkling of this, couples would discuss it now. And they certainly would now. Yes. But this was something that remained almost a secret for 26 years. Yeah. So take us back to, so what year were you married? And take us back to 74. how you met. Pardon, 19? 74. 74. And yes. we met um, in... Uh, in a, Indonesia, um, I was teaching, he was in a, a corporate world, and um, 
yeah, I, uh, he kind of pursued me uh, once he'd met me. He needed somebody to take to a Chinese wedding and he heard about me and he just knocked on my door. <laughs> and, um, and so it started from there. Um, I remember he took me to some French contemporary dance, which in Indonesia was kind of hello. It was outdoors and we got completely drenched. And he took me with his, you know, smart car and driver back to his smart house. I'm not smart in the sense of today, but um, um, and gave me, you know, a sarong and something to go and change into. And when I came out, he was standing there in this, I'm probably giving too much information away, standing there in this full silk caftan with an Afghan hound up on his shoulders with plants taller than him but in this house full of antiques. Exactly. And I thought, far out. Who's this guy? I'm a goner. It sounded so, just amazing. It sounds like a movie theatre. Well, it was, you know, I mean, in a way it was, and especially in that context of, you know, another culture, 70s, another culture. And it wasn't, I'd been a bit of a hippie, but only only by the frock. I never, and a little <laughs> bit of dope, never anything else. So, um, so do you mean, I, I didn't Sorry, do you remember being physically sorry? attracted at that point? Oh, yes. It, so right, right yeah. from the outset, there was that chemistry between you both. Well, he was tall, dark, handsome, urbane, intelligent. You know, he was ticking a lot of boxes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he had an Afghan hound and a sexy calf, silk caftan. I mean, God, <laughs> I know. You know just the I visuals mean, yeah. getting me excited. And a, pile, and a pile of antiques. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, what more do you want? Um, <laughs> and I guess you know, I had been part of that hippie era, so. I, in a way, I'd gone to this, uh, where I was, was this sort of retreat, and that's kind of where I met him through that, um, because I was sick of drug, sex, rock and roll, and men. Yes, because I remember once when we spoke previously, you said that you were very pursued by men as a younger woman. I was. I was a pretty thing. And... Um, you know, not that, you know, all women aren't, but I, I had some of those classics of, you know, the long blonde hair. And the, and I look, I, sometimes I see photographs and I think far out. Was that me? Because, of course, for me, that beauty has brought me a lot of pain. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. You know, it didn't bring me enlightenment or, you know, excellence or academic acc- accolades or, you know, any of the other things that I might have sought. It just brought me, and it's so in in all our faces right now, I think, with this enough is enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's really, I mean, there's other sort of circumstances in real time that have brought that to the surface, but this is not about that. Um, I've really sort of thought, my God, you know, we women, for, especially from that era, we didn't lose respect. We lost our integrity. Because we hand it over so much. And here's me thinking, oh, wow, these signals are pretty cool. I'll hand myself over. He's going to look after me. Well, you know, I was wrong. So how long was so you get, did you get married? Uh, no physical relationship. And I was quite relieved about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so met in uh, early 74, married in November 74. Wow. We went back. To Australia to meet my family, uh, you know, it was kind of straight. 
um, a huge wedding, um, you know, family from the UK, family from Australia. Uh, yeah, that was all his, you know, he liked a spectacle and uh, I, I, it wasn't my thing. But anyway, we did it that way. So then we went off on our honeymoon. Guess what? What? Oh, no, the wrong, it's the wrong signal probably. <laughs> zero. Zero sexual zero sex, intimacy. Zero intimacy, zero anything. What about just affection? Hand-holding? Not really. Curiosity, hands wow. wandering. So how did you feel? Like if you'd been a woman who'd been really pursued, how did it feel to be wow. just married a man and he isn't trying any overt sexual moves It was on you. pretty wild. I mean, I remember saying to him, somebody had given us a set. We went uh, uh, for our honeymoon opposite uh, Krakatoa, which I thought was very symbolic. And <laughs> it was a kind of a, um, you know, a, a unit. Um, and I remember somebody had given us a set of Sabatia knives and, you know, whatever. And I'd, I'd taken one or two of them. And I said, I'm having more pleasure from my Sabatia knives than you. you know? So I obviously could be cutting even back then. Oh, yeah. right. so, but I we never got anywhere. We never got anywhere. So you suspected before you married him that he might be same-sex attracted, but you still married him. Is that because you thought maybe he was bisexual? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and I think I'd already had an experience with somebody who was bisexual, mm-hmm. a wonderful human being, and as so often are, and, um, you know, rich and cultured and all the things that I, I, I seem to be attracted to. And um, I say rich not in terms of money, in terms mm. of the quality of, of, of So you weren't concerned about the fact that you thought he might be bisexual, but obviously that became more concerning yeah. when you discovered that yeah, he was I just same-sex attracted. Yeah, it was, it was just a naivety. You know, I just thought it would change. Mm. And so, and I think... So I think in the, he in did the courting too. time, there was sort of not a, the, the, the typical sort of physical relationship building up no. for the wedding. No, there was there was a courting, but it came in the in the in 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 different and very touching and romantic ways. I remember he he hand painted a beautiful bamboo. I mean, you wouldn't want it these days. <laughs> bird's cage and put blue and white china sort of seed containers and things in it and two yellow canaries. Wow. You know, he he had perfume dropped at my doorstep for about a fortnight before. The romantic gestures, but not. Oh, yeah, because, you know, I think he loved all that. Um, but, you know, if, if we don't want to spend too much time on that, mm. you know, I think... Um, uh, yeah. It was, he knew what he wanted. He wanted children. Ah. And he handpicked me. And I remember only recently I talked to my daughter. I said, I remember him saying in the early years, I can't identify how early, that he he kind of handpicked me. And, of course, then he had all these things that were firing at me that were very attractive. Um, because he thought I could handle what he would bring to the marriage. Right. And as my daughter said, well, that's that's great if he told you, but mm. he didn't. Okay. So yeah. you, you got through your honeymoon, no, you know, physical <laughs> relationship. And then he obviously wanted children, so he needed to have yeah. a physical relationship with you eventually. So how did you kind of get through that? Well, it was about three months. 
um, before we did, and uh, I think I conceived my first child, you know, about then. I counted up, and, uh, you know, the maths could easily be wrong, and I couldn't do it now, but in the 26 years we were married, I reckon we had sex about 26 times. Wow. And Yeah. And there wasn't, you know, it, look, there was other bonds, and as I said, you know, if you're following a kind of a spiritual practice, you do have something in common. Uh, which in some ways, I suppose, naively, I had an amazing kind of grandmother who was a sort of spiritualist from, of her time. So I guess that was the, one of the strongest things from my childhood. Um, she was the one that was there. She was the carer that mattered. Um, and so I guess this world was attractive to me despite these add, add-ons, you know. Sure. So coming um, further into the future, Samantha, yeah. when you did actually find out or did it actually become fact that your husband was gay, how did that come about? Or was well, there look, I, I might be odd, but it didn't. Um, it, it didn't ever really come about. It wasn't until I left him 26 years later when I just got to a point where I couldn't cope anymore. Um, I mean, as I said, I couldn't breathe, which is also very, you know, um, poignant at this at this stage of, uh, of um, sort of political and, and uh, so when, you, you know, when, news. when you said that, like throughout this time, did you suspect he was having relationships with men or not? Were you well, there were times, yeah. yeah, there were times and there was uh, a couple of times when it was very clear, but he would still never talk about it. Did and, you ever ask you know, him? Pardon? Did you ever ask him? Oh, of course. Mm. Of course. But we never, he never would go there. I, did, I just, he's dead now, sadly. Um, we, we did kind of all reconcile as a family. And he said to me, I know I wronged you and I need to make it up for you. We never ticked any boxes in the last four years of his life of that. But there was a, 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 a transitional love into something greater, which I think was a, a beautiful thing. And I miss him. Yeah. Um, it sounds like you were good parenting at Together. Like he did, you did well parenting. No? <laughs> no, messy, messy, messy. Okay. I mean, you can't going on I don't think and actually do good parenting mm. I mean I was always miserable I was all you know but I didn't get out I mean I had a child within uh, a year and um, I was naive I uh, um, I mean I've been a teacher but I I didn't see myself going on my out on my own um, at that point, I, I guess I felt I just, I, I, I was very much the product of the previous generation. Did you feel trapped? Oh, I think I felt terrible mm. most of the time. And I think that's where you say you probably did good parenting, but you can't do good parenting from a trapped place. Mm. From a, uh, you know, a deficit. Um, uh, I mean, I've value you know my kids I unfortunately well I say unfortunately more than unfortunately tragically lost our eldest son in a car accident that's 17 years ago but you know far out yeah and that happened actually after I left him okay um, 
So we did have a bit of a go at sort of getting back together for the family's sake because we had a younger child, you know, who's had a hell of a time. You know, he, he had to have made some of his own choices, but as far as Crystal, he went as far as Crystal Metz and, you know, he's in recovery, but yeah. not, a, not a pretty story. No, that's hard. So when when you did actually find out your husband was gay or uh, I guess you left the marriage, um, yeah. how did your children get to learn about his sexual status? Mm. Well, different, different things. Um, when I left him, I remember saying to him, is it AIDS? You know, because it was that, that post that time right, you know, that yeah. you come to me. I mean... Um, so the kids, uh, varying stages. So my daughter's 43 now. In her 20s, she said she spoke to him because, of course, she was the she was the, the princess in the house, not me. I was the challenge. <laughs> I was the doormat, the challenge, the dissatisfied person. The You know, I wasn't very pretty to him, I'm sure. And... Uh, um, and we didn't build a relationship. We just survived. So um, your daughter found out by asking herself, well, did she? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she did. And, I mean, and they were very close, extremely close. And his loss has been huge to her. Um, my eldest son who died, I remember one night I was coming home from being out with him and he said, Mum, let's go on and have a drink or something and I want to talk to you about Dad's sexuality. And I, I feigned not being able to do that. And I went back and I said to my husband, um, you know, our firstborn has asked me about your sexuality. And I said, uh, I, I avoided it because I don't think it's my job to talk about your sexuality. Mm. So, you know, that's, that's 20 years ago. Oh, look, I don't. <laughs> there was never any much... It was never anything much came back. So he never explained so to the children officially? Son, I think he died without really ever having had that conversation. Then my younger son, he had to go through the coming. I, after I left him, in a way I liberated him. Yes. Because he was he's a good man and, you know, as I described all those other, he was much loved by, by people because he was interesting and, uh, and a, a, a thinker a different kind of he thought about things differently so um, after you left him he came out then and was at, like had an open gay relationship yes and how did your younger son and daughter deal with that that sounds like that was really hard on your younger son oh i think for my younger son it was very very hard i remember him saying we've got this uh, you know somebody living in the house we were separated at that point i mean that was one of my big um, regrets was that uh, my younger son went with his dad yeah. and um, he said, but this guy, you know, they cook dinner together and they go off to the market together and, they, you know, because uh, he'd had borders. Um, uh, anyway, that's another why he'd had borders, financial catastrophe um, <laughs> included. Um, so, yeah, so I remember... said, oh, you know, my mates at school called dad big gay so-and-so. 
Oh, so, because he got an earring, he got an earring. Uh-huh. I mean, once again, it was um, early 2000s. So, um, anyway. Um, so did he, did he have a partner, a, a long-term partner? Yeah, he did, but it was a bit tragic. He, he met somebody and um, I think 2008 uh, and the, the partner got prostate cancer and, you know, they, they had a few good years, but uh, only six altogether and he died. Mm. So, you know, my former husband was kind of devastated. I stayed out of it. Um, I suppose for survival reasons. At that time, my daughter was very active and I think my younger son also was reasonably active. But then little by little, we kind of regrouped and um, and then I think five years ago, I went to help him move house from New South Wales to Victoria. And that was when he said to me, I know I wronged you and I need to make it up. And in many ways, in many ways, he did. And so that was sort of like the only real, I guess, admission in a way or acceptance? Yeah, if, if, I mean, my memory is kind of not quite what it used to be, but I, I know I'm not forgetting that we never discussed it. I have my best buddy is a relationship counsellor and when you invited me to this, I went back to her and I said, hey, did I ever talk to you about you know, the possibility? The, the sort of, the, the sexual component to our marriage and she said no you didn't we talked about the difficulties and the way I was invisible and the doormat and the service provider and uh, um, we were uh, my husband and I were separated once um, for a few months it happened two or three times actually and when we got back together I I said, it was within Australia rather than overseas. And I said to him exactly that. I said, I'm not the service department. Yeah, okay. So when, it sounds like, I mean, I realise it was very different times back then, but it sounds like yeah. there wasn't a lot of support. Like now there is, you know, support yeah. um, services for women who are with bisexual or gay partners. And, but in those days, it sounds like you just kind of wore this yourself. Well, I did, you know, but I mean, maybe that's, you know, the previous generation, you know, my mother was stoic. My fabulous grandmother was stoic. I mean, you know, how soft are we? I mean, I remember my husband saying after I'd left him, he said, do you think you married me because you didn't want to have sex? Well, that was an interesting question. Because mm, you talked about earlier um, sort of mm. feeling. I mean, that hasn't been the case. I haven't had, a, you know, a... a a wildly satisfactory um, sort of sexual life until more recently. But, um, and that's, you know, praise be, you know, approaching your 70s and and finally, you know, that one shows up. That's but fantastic news. I know that is good news, isn't it? It's not all bad news. You no, know? That's great news. Very yeah. good news. Um, but, um, yeah. Yeah, it was just messy. I mean, I think we're just humans and we are just messy and, you know, this is one of those stories. But I, I think of your to- your your podcast, The Penis Project, um, yeah. I mean, I, I loved the little bit of sex I had with him. Right. Um, 
because I don't know whether it was the security of the marriage and um, or what it was that meant something to me, but I wanted him. I wanted him. So you were attracted to him, but it just wasn't. So did that make you, how did that make you feel as a woman? Oh, it makes you feel like shit, you know. I mean, it, it doesn't take shit. Yeah. yeah. Was he, it, it, was he but, the instigator of your sexual um, relations when you did, you know, have the opportunity? Well, look, what, I think it was work? the thing it was the thing of having children. I think also there was the thing in him of, uh, I still remember the last time we had sex, which was a long time ago, and we'd actually gone away to somebody's sort of second wedding. And I know he kind of, I think there were just points where in our in our relationship in life where I think he just felt like, I just got to do this thing. But I don't think it, yeah. mm, He probably really did want to be attracted to you and picked this beautiful young woman that he couldn't thought off any, you know, like I don't want to feel the way I do, but I can't help it. Funny enough, I'm I'm meeting somebody tomorrow who is a good friend of his uh, in later life and she, they had, you know, deep and meaningfuls and she said that he told her that he'd only ever had sex, uh, I was the only woman he'd ever had sex with Mm. and that... It was far more intimate than any other sex that he'd had. And I think he probably had quite a lot. Yeah. Okay. Were you ever worried Uh, about things like STIs or anything like that coming home? Well, I don't know why I blocked it out. I think for the years that we were married, apart from a couple of things that showed up and were undeniable, I think I, I thought he was sort of in denial. Okay. But he wasn't really pursuing that. But we moved from England back to Australia in, I think it was 84, and he uh, a letter showed up, and I thought it was from somebody else. I, I certainly wasn't prying at that point, although I did pry uh, into the, I mean, I picked the other one up intentionally because yep. it was open and it was there. Uh, this one I didn't, but it well, I thought it was from a mutual friend of ours and it was from somebody he'd been having a relationship with. Okay. So that confirmed So, I mean, I confronted him with that and uh, but I didn't get anywhere. Didn't so get that was, or I left him, uh, we had our third child as a bit of an attempt, which sounds a bit naive looking back on it. But I think a lot of people at, do that. At, at nine, uh, in 90. Mm-hmm. And then I left him in 2000. Right. Okay. And the youngest I, I kind of knew was the sacrificial lamb. Mm. And, I mean, I can't take that entirely on my shoulders. But So given your time again or if, if there was a woman or a guy in the similar situation listening to this, what, what advice would you give them? Talk. You know, communicate. I mean, I think the message is very clear for 2021, isn't it? You know, like communication, communication, communication. I mean, what is it that shuts people down to that extreme? And I include myself in that. Mm. Yeah. Shame, you know, well, that's a, that's a good one to get over. Yeah. And I think maybe hope. I mean, maybe as a young woman you yeah. suspected that he was gay, but he ticked every other box you had and yeah. he was Well, wasn't... that's what I think. I think that was the naivety. It was, it was the naivety married to the hope. 
yeah. you know, underpinned by both wanting a fresh start in the 70s. Now, yeah. he hadn't been a hippie, that's for sure. Um, but, I mean, he'd gone into the church where I think his sensitivities were kind of covered. I mean, when I say into the church, I mean, he, he was moved from Australia to England, and I think there was a much more sort of, a much more sensitive place to to go to, and and uh, he he chose chose that, and it was only about bell ringing and you know Bible readings and things like that. So it wasn't like he didn't go into the seminary or anything. He might have, but he didn't. I mean, I think he knew that that would be a a cover. Yeah, and so how did these like formative years, your earlier years, then affect your sexuality today? Now, do you feel like, wow, I've got what the, you know all this opportunity now to make up for lost time, or do you feel like it affected you in a way, a negative way, or how how has that affected your? Oh, look, I think there's a couple of things, and once again, it's sort of going off on another tangent, but. Um, I think it probably made me quite insecure in some ways. And, you know, I've experienced a, a betrayal that, you know, asking too much, mate, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's a big betrayal, isn't it? Yeah, it's a lot. Well, that was a big betrayal, but any other betrayal, it's like any other death after, mm. you know, after big ones, um, it, it, they all they all become the same thing. Yeah. And in the last couple of years before you, your former husband died, what sort of a relationship did you have? Oh, look, there was still the, I mean, my daughter talked about a Christmas when we got together. It was sort of World War Four, um, <laughs> But so we still all brought the same things. But, yeah, there was a there, there was a kind of a forgiveness. And for want of a better word, there was a there was a generosity and a, a kind of an acceptance that in amongst it all, um, there had been real kind of love. And, uh, and amazingly, I, uh, it, it wouldn't go, it's not palatable for everybody, but I, I call it my love after death experience. I, I felt incredibly grateful for him. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. And close. Grateful because you learned from him or grateful because he was the father of your children or all of the above? I think it's a combination of all things. It's just a life experience. You know, I'm not, I'm 70. Yeah. And I gave, I gave, let's say, the best part of 30 years to that. Yeah. And, um, uh, and it was, wow, you know, I mean, I did crazy things with him. I went on the Hajj. I went to Mecca. You know, I... I it sort of, I didn't travel the world sort of widely as other people might. I didn't climb mountains, and um, <laughs> well, you uh, kind of did climb a mountain, a pretty big well, one. Well, I can't, yeah, a different metaphoric <laughs> mountain, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, I he enriched my life, and that's why I think that's why I married him. I thought, wow, this guy, this is not you know your average Joe, and he this did enrich is, your life. It just there we came oh, with challenges, yeah. and not least of all, as we all know, um, whoever we have our children with, you know that that is a richness that um, you know without kids. Forgive me if I'm offending anybody without kids, but um, they they bring a lot. Not not least of all, sacrifice. But I think with 
in that sacrifice, there's huge learning. And, you know, being with somebody who wasn't my companion, um, he became my friend. At his eulogy, I said I was married to him for 26 years. In the next 20, he became one of my best friends. Oh, that would have been so wonderful and, and, and healing for your children as well to hear. Well, they know. So it sounds to me like given the opportunity again, despite the difficulties, you would do it again. Yes or no? Oh, I might well. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard question, Melissa. Yes. Um, I might well. It is a hard question. I think, um, you know, we were just talking to someone else earlier, a psychologist earlier, and she said, you yeah. know, when you look back on the past, you can't change it. So, you know, it's not really worth dwelling on. It's nice to have learnt from it but not dwell on it. And I think it sounds like that's exactly what you've done. Well, I hope so. I mean, I'm still doing that. And I'm, I, I guess, um, you know, given the time frame, um, this is, you know, what I'm saying probably isn't relevant to any young man or woman uh, contemplating having children together if they are. Well, I think it is still. Yeah, I think there's still a lot of families and cultures where coming out is a very difficult yeah. thing and I think you'd be surprised. I think there would be people in mm. in this situation mm. still in these yeah. times. I, I mean, I'd love this to be able to sort of support or, or help somebody uh, I mean, as I when you asked me, I said communicate, but you know, some people can't communicate. Yeah, exactly. So, talk, talk, um, talk. Yes. Yeah. And I, you, it's I not think, like you didn't try, by the sounds of it, though. No, I reckon I tried, but you know, because I was always coming from a place of emotional deficit, I I don't know that I ever, and I never sought counsel. So uh, I do now, and I have done. Um, you know, I've got a wonderful uh, therapist actually in Perth and I went to him seven years ago and said, I've got one question. Why have I always chosen unavailable men? <laughs> so, you know, the, the, the search goes on because we, we you know, we bring something, uh, of, of course. Um, what was the answer? <laughs> Still searching for it? <laughs> you want another interview? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, no, pretty much. Uh, but, you know, it's all a learning curve, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's that's continuing. what life is, I think. It's a, just all and a big I, I just wanted, You know, that's the thing. I suppose it, at 70 I'm in my sort of third trimester of life and I, um, I, I, I'm doing quite a lot of sorting out now. And you're still... You know, like serious, 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 mm. serious because I, I, I need this next bit. Um, to, to to sort of work for me, you know. I, I my mum died in the middle of last year, and I had a had to rub shoulders with aged care and you know all of that. No, she would, died from home, but um, boy, you know it's a serious time of life. Uh, it, so all these life experiences seriously need to inform us for what we do with this next bit. Yeah. So hopefully you've got another think, thirty years left that. Well, I'll have to work on that, but um, <laughs> uh, I've certainly got grandchildren worth living for and um, uh, and contributing. I mean, they, they, they kind of have given me a sort of a purpose that I'm not sure that anything else actually ever has. Great. That's so good. Well, I, so, really... I call it grandmother dreaming. So. <laughs> 
really, really appreciate you sharing this story with us because I think it's a, yeah, I do still think it's a very relevant story in today. Mm. Well, absolutely. I was just with friends over the weekend and um, yeah. her, the particular friend I was talking to just said that her son had just started going out with a young lady who has considered herself non-binary and then you know we ended up having another hour or two conversation about how that sort of fits into um, society today and and where those steps lead to and you know there's just so much more openness these days uh, around challenging situations and I think yeah it's more relevant than you probably realize Mm. and even for other grandparents listening that might have a grandson or a granddaughter come out as same-sex attracted, you know. Absolutely. Listening to your journey through this hopefully will help them think, wow, I'm going to be supportive of that because I don't want them to have to live through that. No. Well, look, I've got a a six-year-old granddaughter who's, you know, definitely in a kind of a a gender flow situation at the moment and will only wear boys' clothes, you know. Mm. So, and in fact, we were sitting on a bench over the weekend talking about, that but we're not from a judgmental place just no. an open conversation just yeah. chatting yeah. just so, just so that she knows somebody else is seeing yeah so thank you so much we really appreciate it and it's just been great speaking to you and like i'm just in awe of your openness so thank you samantha we really appreciate it oh, <laughs> okay all good lives inside me it's been there all of my life as I'm growing old now he's getting Hi, this is Dr Joe. Thank you so much for listening to our program today and we're pleased to let you know that we will be having weekly podcasts, not fortnightly, as originally proposed. And this is because of the popularity of our podcast. We're getting so many emails, so many questions and so much feedback and Melissa and I greatly appreciate it. What we'd really love you to do is share our podcast with anyone you think might benefit, including any man in your life. Simply download off Spotify or subscribe to thepenisproject.org and then you'll get a weekly email of our newest releases. Also feel free to send us a review and this will greatly help in our ongoing ability to bring you new and fresh information as that's the way we build what comes next. We also have show notes attached and this gives a bit of a background into any additional resources or explanations of what we're talking about. Finally, it's my great pleasure to let you know that PROST, the exercise program which sponsors our podcast, is now available on a USB resource for any man diagnosed with prostate cancer, an exercise program. Clinicians can buy these as well as the everyday bloke. So feel free to check out prost.com.au. Meanwhile, let's keep the conversation going. I learned to value each and every one of those warm afternoons. Boys on their bikes shooting stones at each other through the trees. Try to deny the going down of the sun.